You're listening to the Plug Podcast, music and more, with Bushy and Metal Mike. Well, all right, welcome to another episode of the Plug Podcast, music and more. I am your host, Bushy, and with me as always, Metal Mike, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing fan-fucking-tastic. Actually, though, in a way I am, but I kind of got some shitty news today, but I'll get to that in a minute. All right, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, I have some shitty news that might be good news, I don't know, but... uh, we have a special guest, and we're going to kind of rush things along because this guy's got a lot to talk about. And uh, tell us who we're talking to today. We are talking to my partner in crime, so to speak, at that metal station, John Morris, a.k.a. DJ Duckets. And you can check him out every Saturday, I believe from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on thatmetalstation.com. Welcome, Duckets. How you doing, brother? What's happening, guys? Pleasure to be here. Everything is just Peachy as usual. Fucking right, dude. Oh, awesome. I, I heard some New York accent. I just got a little <laughs> Oh, you ain't heard nothing yet. <laughs> just wait till the Brooklyn stories start, you know? Born oh, and raised. It, look, if I don't hear you talk like fucking what's-his-face from Saturday Night Fever, we go to have a problem, okay? No, 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 no. We're going warriors here. We're not going you that know, Saturday Night Fever dancing shit. And that's what you hit. You hit the hair. Nah, man. We're going back to Coney Island. Fuck the truth. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, since the last time we hung out, um, we did the Face of Music episode last week. It's, it's doing well on iTunes. Um, not a lot of downloads on Pod B, but fuck you guys. I don't care. I thought it was a great conversation. We had a lot of fun. Man, all I've been doing is working. I'm actually uh, pulling a seven-day stretch this coming weekend. I'm supposed to have the weekend Damn. off. But, man, there's this uh, there's this festival down in South Carolina that I'm going to with my girlfriend. We're going to be there probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leave Sunday. You camp because this redneck is shit. It's, uh, it's called the Moonshiners Reunion. It's got guys from that TV show that are down there, the Moonshiners TV show. And it's uh, live music. Now, it's uh, Yeehaw. You know, it's, it's country. But yeah. I figure with enough shine, beer, and fucking Jägermeister, I'm gonna be good and have a good time. <laughs> but that's what's right going on, dude. on with me, man. Uh, that, I'm looking forward that, to it. I'm not looking forward to those seven nights in a row, though. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. And you know, it's funny. Like I like some people think I hate country music. I just don't really like a lot of the modern day country. I love old school country. I like bluegrass. Just can't do a lot of the crap that they call country now. But that's oh, just word. me. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's, it's a lot of bluegrass that's going to be there. They, they have, oh, I bet. Yeah, two stages, two nights. You know, so it's going to be Friday night, Saturday night. Sunday is my recovery day, and come back to North Carolina day. Right on, man. That's awesome, dude. Well, have a good time. Fuck, you've earned it. Hell yeah. <laughs> God, haven't we all? Live music, yeah. bitches. Even if it is hellbilly noise, it's live music. <laughs> right. At this point, you got to take whatever you can get. Fucking right, dude. I would take Fucking Tiffany right. in the ball live right now. <laughs> I don't know about all that, Bush. I don't know about all that. Come on, you I think probably we're alone now. Fuck. <laughs> 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 oh, God damn, I worry about you, bro. Hey, you probably got that shit in your collection, don't you? Dude, that shit's been played on my show. What you talking? Uh, you see, I, I figured. I figured. Metal oh, Mike, how's your week been, man? How you been doing? Well, I mean, overall, it's just been really busy. I've been doing, you know, the two shows a week thing. Plus, I'm working. 
dealing with getting rid of Operation Shithole. And I just got some crappy news today because, as I said, I, I had to move out of that shithole about a year ago. And consequently, I had to give away um, two of my cats. Oh, damn. Um, one of them, though, he's doing great. He's with my roommate, Bildo, my co-host, Bildo's parents. The other one, though, poor little fella, um, his uh, urethra got clogged with crystals. It was one of those things where I guess the dry food he was eating um, caused him to be plugged up. Um, I get. I ended up giving him away to uh, a friend of mine, Amanda, her dad's. You know, he wanted a cat, and things were great. And unfortunately, poor little guy, um, his urethra got clogged up. She even paid for the surgery to get him fixed because she works at Boeing, so she's loaded. Right. And unfortunately, uh, his his kidneys were fucked, so they had to put him down. Man. Oh. So yeah, I mean, he was a good boy. You know, he's a good kitty. Definitely and sorry I to hear that. You know, that is typical with cats, though. I've lost two oh, of them that way. I know, I know, it is. And uh, you know, yeah, we uh, had a problem with the other cat. Well, I, I had three of them that my dad has, but we got to him in time. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what exactly happened, and I'm not blaming th- anybody because. I am grateful to Amanda and her father for everything they did, for taking him in in the first place. And like I said, she even paid for the fucking surgery to get the poor little guy fixed, man. And that shit ain't cheap. Right. So, you know, um, rest in peace, Lucas. That's all I'm going to say, man. Wow, Duckets, would you ever figure this guy for a fucking crazy cat lady? <laughs> cat lady? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, I've got a dog, too, man, you know. I just oh, okay. Just, so you—that's just the cover up the cat chihuahua, lady, right? Part. She's a fucking shit zoo, man. Same thing. Oh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, I and I wouldn't get—I wouldn't give her up for anything now. But you want to know how I got her? The reason why I got her is because one day I came home from work and my my girlfriend, my fiance at the time, just brought a dog home without even asking me, and nice. that was Smuckers. And then when she cheated on me, I kicked her out, and I got stuck with smuckers and i've had her ever since but honestly man she's about the most laid back sweetest dog i've ever had did you keep the purse to carry her in no (laughs) no i did not and it is funny because people look at me you know here i'm like you know i wear like during the winter you know i wear this leather trench coat and i'm all in black you know because i'm all in the metal and i got this little bitty shih tzu that i'm walking down the street and people just go whoa i know they probably think i'm a little funny but fuck them if they call you a bear, it's not a good thing. I know that. I know that. Yes, I know that. Oh, Cubs and bears, I know all about that. Because, you know, being a male nurse, I work with a lot of gay people. So they tell me these things. You're a total bear, Mike. I'm like, great, great. That's, that's awesome. Thanks. See, I ain't cuddling nothing here, Junior. Right. Sorry, man. I'd be you the know, luckiest I, guy I in the world that if that for did seven it for years, me, probably. You know, and uh you, you do get that stigma, and hell, I was, a, I was a server before I decided to go back to school for that. So I caught all kinds of shit. Can't you get a man job, bitch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me too. So I know all about it. Now let's talk to Duckets, Mr. John yes. Morris. How have you been, sir? How was your week? Oh, man. You know, this, this whole COVID nonsense oh. is just finally, it seems like we're making a little headway. We actually had a live show saturday you know a couple of a uh, couple of the local bands got together down in down here in jersey had a good time it was nice to to see people finally you know 
getting over the fear and anxiety of life in general and getting some live tunes. So it was a nice little break from the insanity. Oh, dude, I, I miss live shows so much, man. It's like killing me, dude. Dude, I'm going I, to the I shows. festival. I hear you. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I just miss it so bad, man. I mean, at this point, I take karaoke, you know? It's right. Like I know, enough. right? For real. I hear you. Yeah. I tell you what, we had a COVID scare here because uh, my girlfriend, she's a CNA. And uh, so is her best friend. And we were hanging out at her best friend's, you know, her and her husband's house. And we're all, dude, we're getting rocked. And uh, there's a, a medical emergency next door. You know, with some dear friends of theirs. You know, so they all ran over to help me. I could barely stand. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit my pretty ass right here. Huh. Well, apparently the guy was just soaking wet. He had to be evac'd out, you know, ambulanced out. And they were like, we are not going to let this guy go to the hospital like this. So they did their job. Three days later, they find out that dude's, you know, COVID-19 positive. So they had to get tested Thursday, like all weekend. I, I, I went to work. I'm like, look, what's the protocol here? Am I allowed to be here? I haven't been tested, but we don't know what's going on. They're like, no, as long as you're asymptomatic, you know, we're, we've been told, let you work. I said, okay, cool. But they got the results back yesterday. Everybody's good. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, dude, that's been going. What's weird with me is where I work, we've got people that are testing positive for it. And I'm talking patients, you know, the, the people who are supposed to be in the most danger of dying from this. And they're all asymptomatic. I've not taken care of one patient who's shown any fucking symptoms. That's just weird to me. It, it, is, yeah, and it, it is weird. And on my job, I mean, they had us at all these hospitals in a city where, you know, they were showing videos of bodies stacked in trucks and shit. And, you know, I'm standing outside the same hospital going, where? You know, where is all this crap going on? Hospitals are empty. There's nothing here. You know, so who knows? Yeah, it's it's just another I remember you saying all that because I'm like, wait a second, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was fighting with our buddy about, oh, no, they put a video up. Look, they're lifting up bodies with a forklift. But it's like, dude, they're taking food out of the truck and putting it in the hospital. There's not a person here. Wow. Cut yeah. the drama. I mean, dude, media by control. It's 1984. Yeah. Man, or Orwell fucking predicted it. Was it, was it Orwell or Wells? It was Orwell, George Orwell. Okay, I didn't want to sound stupid. I'm only on my first beer. That comes later. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. Uh, normally, I'm the mouth of the South here. I'm the one always talking, which is funny because you can hear I'm obviously not Southern sounding. But Metal Mike knows more about what's going on this week. So, Mike, you've got to tell us what the fuck we're doing here. Why the hell is this crazy guy Duckets with this kick-ass Brooklyn accent hanging out with us today well first of all i like to talk just as much as you do so you finally found a, a podcast partner that's gonna fucking flap his fucking gums just as much as you do buddy that's and number I one can understand you all the time yes and secondly secondly i brought this guy on because well for one thing just all of his experiences in the music business i mean this guy was a manager for death sepultura faith or fear he was a tour manager for Ultimate Revenge 2 Tour. He's been a road crew for a ton of bands and artists and a stagehand slash manager at the fucking legendary Lamore nightclub in Brooklyn. Right, Duckets? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Plus, he was an A&R at Combat Records. 
special projects for in effect and he owned his own label called maze slash craze america so everybody fucking welcome dj duckett's aka john morris take a bow john let us know well, what's you. up thank you very much thank you <laughs> elvis is spitting in his grave <laughs> that's how fast it's spinning anywhere fucking brooklyn, brooklyn elvis isn't that called glenn danzig I had to do it. I started it. And God, he's from Jersey God. anyway, so. Fucking douchebag. He's not allowed in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I actually got into an argument with a woman the other day because apparently she thinks I'm a, a, a city guy and I'm from like six hours north of the city. But she was talking all kinds of shit to me and I'm like, bitch, you are Jersey trash. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You sure, slut. It's like, it's like we piss on you from across the river. I'm not even from New York City. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's great. That's uh, great. You got to love the Jersey girls, though, you know? No, I think right on, shoot them. There's nothing funnier than a Jersey girl who's been down in the South so long that she sounds like these guys. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're real hard. I believe you. Uh, a, a weekend with a Jersey girl is the the gift that keeps on giving, you know, <laughs> along with the antibiotics and everything else. <laughs> it reminds me of that South Park episode where the, the South Park gets invaded by those people from Jersey, <laughs> and they get fucking Bin Laden to help kill them. Oh, it's so fucking hilarious. Oh, Jesus, man. Anyway, uh, Duckets, man. So please. Yo. Uh, tell us uh, more about your back. Like, how did you break into the business? What was you, you know, how well, did you, um, you know, get your foot in the door, so to speak? And please include the I hit my knees and sucked a lot of dick stories. I want to hear those. <laughs> no, actually, fortunately, that wasn't a big part of it. Notice I said big part of it. Um, <laughs> he said what facial I was in. It was okay. Yeah, well, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. This way you don't have to do it again. Um, it was, uh, 1987. I was in college taking broadcast management and technology classes, you know, trying to finish up my degree and working at the radio station. It was a dance station. So I convinced the station manager in the school to let us do a metal show. And it was Tuesday at 1 a.m. in the morning until 3 a.m. in the morning. So, needless to say, there wasn't a lot of people listening. Right. It was right. also a 10-watt station. So, you know, basically, it was us and the seagulls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm bringing, I'm bringing my own vinyl in, transporting it on the bus back and forth to the school. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I got to get some of these labels to start mailing stuff here so i'm talking to my advisor and he's like well you know this is how you reach out to them call them tell them what the deal is so i'm like okay i call megaforce i call roadrunner i call combat combat they answer the phone oh relativity records i'm like yeah i'd like to speak to somebody in radio department they put me through on the phone and the guy's like oh you calling about an internship and I'm like, what? He's like, oh, did you, are you responding to the internship? I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, <laughs> what's, what's the deal? So yeah. I jump on the train, hour and a half ride out there. 
middle of nowhere. I walk in. Okay, yeah, we need an intern. Bop, bop, bop. You'll be fine. Send us, you know, we need the credentials from the school. So I'm like, shit, how do I do this? You know, this is like early Commodore computers and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. Go, into the, go into the computer in school, log in, type up this letter that, yeah, he'll be getting credit for his uh, broadcasting classes and, and radio and da-da-da-da-da. Make up this whole fake letter, steal letterhead from the school, from the uh, bursar's office when she's not looking. <laughs> Print this Beautiful. whole thing out, bring it back to them. They're like, okay, great, you're hired, but it's not in the radio department. You're going to be working in advertising. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. The advertising desk is right next to the A&R, to the combat side. So I'm there five days a week for $10 a day, and I'm hanging out with the A&R rep. Nice. We go, we start going out drinking. You know, I'm 19 at the time, so I'm like, 10 times bigger asshole than I am right now. (laughs) You know, this was the late 80s. There was no filter. There was no such thing as sexual harassment, as, you know, hate crimes and all this other shit. So the office was just a complete and total zoo. And the A&R guy at the time was Scott Givens. And he took a liking to me because my boss, her name was Lori. She was an attractive older woman. Every time she would come in the office and she'd be cranky, I'd say, Lori, do you want to go in the back and bang and maybe you'll be in a better mood? He thought that was a great <laughs> thing. He's like, you know, what is wrong with you? I'm like, ah, th- that's just me. You know, that's just the way I am. Internship is over at the end of the summer. They decide they're going to throw a going away party. I turn around. I said, listen, you know, there's a problem with the credits at school. I need this, this and this filled out. The manager turns around and says, listen, you know, do you really want to go back to school? I said, why? He goes, well, Scott needs an assistant and he wants you. How much do you want a week? Oh, shit. So I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, you know, we called the number on the school. Nobody's called us back in regards to, you know, your credits and everything else. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, (laughs) thank God nobody called them back. It's like I could have been busted. (laughs) Oh, Big time, <laughs> big time. Like, yeah, you know, you're you're the new assistant to the A&R director. I was like, this is a score. First project was Exodus Fabulous Disaster. Oh, my God. Wow. I got thrown face first into that one. They're like, this is the record. We got to get this out there. It's not the greatest thing that they've ever recorded. You know, new singer again, new lineup again. We got to figure out how to make this work. Fuck okay, that. That's fine. My favorite Exodus album. I can't wait. I to love this. that record, man. Yeah. Started on that one, then all of a sudden it was like, okay, record's out. It's doing well. You're gonna go out to California. You're gonna do the video for Toxic Waltz. Make sure every everybody shows up and they're sober. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> he said, and they're sober. <laughs> Whoops. I'm like, this this just is not gonna work. I go out to Cali. They fly me, uh, fly me out on a Friday. I get off the plane. Who's the first person I have to run into? Billy Milano. It's like, oh, fuck this. Oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, you know, I'm here for the label. Fuck combat. They suck. Let's go to the bar. Oh, here we go. I'm not even out of the airport yet. And the stupidity starts. 
<laughs> get to the video shoot. Nobody's even close to being sober. You watch that video, you could just see that, you know, certain members of the band at that time had some serious issues and it didn't stop for any other reason but to sleep after, you know, like the <laughs> third or fourth day of binging. God, I love the wow. You know what? It's it's fucking funny, though, because I could always tell by watching that video that they were having an absolute blast. Or they looked like they were having a blast fucking <laughs> making that video. Maybe they weren't, but goddamn, they looked like it, man. Hey, Billy, you know, running across the stage with the guy in the headlock and slamming him into the floor. Yes. You know, there, there, there was a lot of stupidity going on there. So land on Friday. Video gets recorded on Saturday and Sunday. I come home Monday morning, fly into LaGuardia. Straight back to the office. I'm a freaking train wreck. I bet. They're like, all right, what's the matter with you? I said, oh, I just got back from Cali. Da, da, da. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, we can tell. Um, by the way, part of your responsibility is to make sure that you have a rehab on, on speed dial. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> 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 Where do I sign up? Okay. You're like, I didn't get the fucking memo on this shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was like, but now, you know, now you start seeing the tie in with the show name Rehab. Right. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Always wondered why you called your show Rehab. Now I know. This is fucking great. I'm loving this already. Keep talking, John. (laughs) So the next project now is Death Leprosy. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, the first album was cool. I've heard Chuck can be, you know, a little problematic. At the time, while this was all going on, I was working more and more at Lemoore's. Started off just doing load-ins and stuff. We had gone, you know, part of working at Lemoore's is you went there on Thursday. You didn't leave until Sunday. You were locked in the place, make sure everything is done. So you got to see a lot of stupid things. But now I'm bouncing from combat to Lemoore's and back and forth with nothing in between. Right on. So it's like, OK, you know, leprosy is coming out. They got to go on tour. Chuck can be a little difficult. All right, fine. As soon as leprosy comes out now, Dark Angel is in the studio recording. Dark Angel. My dick is hard right now, John. Keep going. I, I they, already came uh, twice, so. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, dude. Um, the one thing I want, because I've heard you mention in the and maybe I shouldn't even ask, but I've heard that, I've heard a lot of conflicting things about Chuck. Guy so, was a fucking jerk off. I've heard that. I've heard that he was good to his fans, but when it came to the people he worked with, like his bandmates and guys like you, he was a complete douche, man. Absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible person. His fans. Wow to him but if you were a higher on for the band or the road crew or anything that didn't purchase the right to be in his presence you were trash Holy shit. Wow. total garbage wow. see to be honest with you on the outside looking out he from the outside looking in he didn't come across that way at all so yeah. that's fucked up, man. But I I mean, I have heard that. I've heard other people say things like that. And I was like, wow, really? Wow, that's fucked up, man. He, it was constant, constant drama with him. Um, he would, he would stand there and, you know, okay, restring my guitar. 
you'd restring the guitar, you'd hand it back to him, all in tune, drop D straight across the board, and he would take it from you. And like as he was taking it, he'd be wiping it off because you touched his you touched his BC Rich. You know how dare you? Oh wow, guitar. You know, I'd have to hit him with it and say, "Look, string your own fucking guitar, bitch." There, there were a couple of times on both tours, the Ultimate Revenge Two and the Leprosy Tour, that punches were thrown. Holy shit! Um, the first leg of the tour, I, when the record came out, Dark Angel was recording Leaf Scars. They decided, Combat decided that Chuck had never been to Europe. The band's got a pretty solid lineup. Let's get them overseas. Okay, fine. You know, we're booking the tour. I'm sitting there. I'm, you know, writing letters to stuff, typing people, typing letters out. And they're like, no, you're going with them. I'm like, huh? Like, yeah, you know, you're the tour manager. Congratulations. You know about this stuff. You know, here you go. Get your passport and get them together and and head out to, to Belgium. Wow. Okay, fine. I fly to Florida. I had never met Chuck in person. Um, I had met Terry. I had met Bill. I had met Rick. Never met Chuck. Go down, do our first meeting, our first get-together. It's at Terry's house. Terry Butler, one of the greatest, nicest, most humble, amazing human beings you will ever meet in your life. I've met Terry. He's a sweetheart, man. He is... To this day, Terry, Terry and I have the same birthday, November tenth. We compete oh. to see who's gonna who's gonna wish who birthday, you know, happy birthday first. You know, oh, who right. can get that right message on, out first? He is one of the, the the nicest people ever. Billy Andrews, incredible drummer, very mellow, total Florida redneck. Rick was a Brooklyn guy, you know, a bit cocky. King of the Whammy Bar. You know, the three of us got along pretty well. Here comes Chuck. And as soon as, like, he walked in the room, there was this aura of conflict. Oh, wow. You know, like, like tension in the air? Beyond tension. Okay. And, you know, you could just see it in everybody's face. Everybody's all excited and stuff to be heading down. And then all of a sudden, you know. Uh, okay, well, this is why we're going. Just kind of suck it up and, you know, deal with it. So Chuck had lived in Apopka, which is very close to Rick's house and Orlando Airport. So we were going to stay at Chuck's. That morning, we had a car picking us up to bring us to the airport. We had to fly from Orlando to Miami and then Miami to Belgium. So we get to the airport all bright and early. Chuck is like completely pissed off that his mom had to clean up because the, the five of us stayed at his house. You know, we didn't get a hotel. You know, we all crashed at Chuck. So that was a problem. We get to the airport. Well, why do I have to get on a plane for 35 minutes to go from Orlando to Miami? Why can't we just go straight to Belgium? It's like, dude. Orlando's not an international airport. We're not, you know, they're not making special privileges <laughs> for you to go from Orlando to Belgium. What the fuck? This, this was, this was day two of being with him, and I was ready to go home. 
I was like, this is going to be nothing but problems. You know, everything that I was warned was completely true. Finally, we get to Belgium from day one. It was everything was an issue. The opening band had provided the back line uh, and all the equipment. The opening band was a band by the name of Despair. Their lead singer, Robert Kempf, is actually the founder and president of Century Media Records. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, they they were kids. You know, we, we were all kids at the time. But, you know, we're all 19, 20, 21 years old. Here's this guy, Robert, who's, you know, got all these plans about opening up his own label and doing all this and and, you know, just completely treated like shit. Oh, your equipment sucks. Your cables suck. Your drums suck. The sound here sucks. This sucks. That sucks. The van sucks. The hotel sucks. Fucking negative as hell. Constant, constant, constant. Do wow. Total prima donna bitch, man. Beyond. It was absolutely beyond. And it's not Do like this is Michael Jackson. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Do everything possible to appease him. We get halfway through the tour and um, he has to do two shows in one day. We had two days off. It was two shows in one day. They were like an hour and a half away from each other. But it's Europe. It's their first time. You know, fans, every show is sold out. We get to the venue in Dusseldorf and Chuck decides I'm not doing the show. Like what? What he won't get out of the van. Refuses to get out of the van. So, like, what What are you talking about? He's like, no, uh, my, my throat feels a little funny. I'm not doing the show. You go inside and you tell everybody that the show is canceled. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, absolutely. You're telling me about he, Axel before Axel. Oh, please. He made Axel look like fucking, like, Rosemary Clooney or something. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. He, he was... He was Axel to the 20th power. So, you know, the promoters fight with us. I'm fighting with him. The promoters coming at me. I'm trying to call, you know, internationally to get somebody from the label to to reach out and tell him you don't have a choice to do this. The people in the, you know, the people in the club are going absolutely fucking bananas. They're like, you know, we've been waiting for this and you know we paid money and and he's sitting outside and he won't come in so terry rick um terry rick bill and myself go on stage and like you know get pelted with shit because we had to make up an excuse that chuck was sick oh wow. so as we're saying this people are leaving and they see him in the van you know oh, and they're like fuck. what the fuck he goes and takes the van and takes off to leave us all stranded oh, at the fuck. It's like, bro, you know, what the fuck is going on here? So we get back to the hotel that night and he decides that's it. Tour is over. We're going home. So I'm like, what? He's like, you have to get us out of this contract. We have to go home tonight. I need to go home. It's like, dude, you know what? Seriously, like, what is he mentally ill or something? Like, what the fuck, man? There's there was some a little mental illness. Um, not that that's an excuse, but Jesus Christ, man, this is not rational behavior at all. 
there was there was absolutely nothing rational in anything that he did. Which is why that band changed lineups so many times. And people thought Dave Mustaine was hard to work on. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would. Dave still got his band, though. You know, he pulled the Metallica a couple of times where Rick would had Rick would break a string on stage, and he'd go bananas, and all of a sudden, you know, um, James James Murphy shows up. Cynic, uh, the band Cynic shows up to be his new band without him telling Billy, Terry, uh, Billy, Terry or James that they're out. All of a sudden, you know, he's the lead singer of Cynic. And then, you know, okay, Cynic's gone. Now you got Gene playing drums. You got Craig LaCicero from Forbidden, you know, playing guitar for him. It was a constant revolving door because of the insanity of his attitude. When we when we came back and, you know, combat, the, the ownership of combat, Barry Corbin was beyond livid. He was like, look, we put a lot of money into this. You screwed us again. This is your last chance. He said, we're doing the ultimate revenge show. You are going to be there. You are playing. And then, you know, you're going out on the road with death and dark angel. It, it's going to be the ultimate revenge tour. Devastation tagged along on the tour and a couple other bands here and there. But this is the last opportunity. So we get ready. Okay, Ultimate Revenge is done. We're back. Everything is finished. Let's go. The first day of the tour, um, the first show was at the Sundance in Long Island. Chuck is pissed because Dark Angel's RV was bigger than, than ours. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, listen, this, you know, we have a staff. You have four people in the band, me, a roadie, and a sound guy. There are seven of us. They have a five-piece band, three techs, because Gene always had his own tech. Steve Good has been his tech since day one. Mm -hmm. That's the way they operate. They drove all the way out from California. They needed the room. We should have the same RV. It's like, but but what are you talking about? <laughs> and, you know, Christ. death was going on first, infuriated him. So we said, OK, we'll compromise. We'll, we're going to um, go headline. Well, I, I got to interject. At that time, I think Dark Angel was the bigger band. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, one hundred percent the bigger band. And don't get me wrong, I bought Leprosy when it came out. My my brother bought it for me. I had that album. I love that record. But mm-hmm. what a jerk off! Go ahead. Um, they decided they're going to co-headline. They'll swap spots every night. All of a sudden, it was like, well, you know, we they made us do this night so that they could headline the bigger venue. Like, what? oh my god, it's like the fuck. It, it finally got to the point where I turned around and I pulled a trade. I went to Dark Angel's tour bus, motorhome, and sent their roadie that they were having problems with to deal with Chuck. It's like, you're that's your new place to live. Have fun. <laughs> I'm right Tag, you're it, bitch. <laughs> and Gene and I would sit down at night and, you know, after shows and stuff. And, and I'd be like, dude, I don't know what to do. I can't 
ask to leave the tour because then it looks bad to the office. It's, but if I stay here, I'm going to kill this fucking jerk off. <laughs> so Gene's like, oh, all right, he well. Did it. He said jerk off. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Brooklyn. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck do I do? You know, how do I handle this? He played some kind of game with his with his tech and, and one of their roadies. And they went to, you know, they went into into Chuck's hotel room because he had to have his own hotel room. You know, he couldn't share with anyone. Oh, God forbid. And all of a sudden, Scott calls me and he's like, listen, you know, what's going on? So I said, bro, I'm miserable. I said, I'm sorry, but I can't do this anymore. He's like, well, you know, you're getting kind of lucky because we need you back in the office. I said, okay, for what? Well, Sick of It All's new record is coming out. They have to go on tour. Congratulations, you're now a hardcore kid. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, you know, you're taking Sick of It All out on tour. I was like, all right, fine, great. It's my way out the door. Was back, went back to Queens hung out for about a week and a half met those guys the first album blood sweat and tears was ready to come out had a couple of sit downs with them did a little lunch okay fine we're going out on the road what you know what kind of spot can you get us all right we'll call around we'll find out the queen's music community is very very tight uh there was a band leeway that was also from queens the crossover band they yeah, were going to them by uh one of our former DJs, Shant Star. Oh, yeah. Okay. Junkie. Um, <laughs> so. That motherfucker calls me every once in a while. I never have a clue what he's saying, but I love listening to him talk because, you know, he's got that very thick New York accent. Uh, every every time I he- every time I had to get on the phone with him, the only background music I ever heard was the needle lies, you know. <laughs> but- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no shots fired here at the plug podcast at all. <laughs> don't, don't 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 hold back, uh, DJ. Oh, Tell us how you really feel. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I knew this was going to be no holds barred. That's why I wanted you on here, man. It's the only way to do it. This is good stuff. So, so I was going to ask you a quick question, not sure. to interrupt, because I know you're about to do the whole thing with Sick of It All and the whole Queens music scene. You were talking about Gene Hoglin. What What's he like, man? He, is he as cool as he seems to be? Okay, take Terry and times Terry by five, and you get Gene. Wow, cool, cool. Because he is an amazing drummer, and he just seems like such a cool dude. I love that guy, man. All right, Gene cool. was... Gene was a giant mush, you know, <laughs> he, he was a, he was a kid doing what he loved and every night was a new adventure for him. That's awesome. awesome. The only bad part of touring with them at that time was that he would give so much on stage every night that he literally had to be carried from the drum kit to the dressing room or to the bus. He was a big fucking boy. He's a big guy, man. At at this time, he was pushing 400 pounds easily, you know, and 
the sweat from the minute he sat down, it was nonstop. And the stress on his body from playing, he'd be dripping, dripping wet. And we would have to literally drag his carcass off the drum riser. Wow. To wherever they needed to go, wherever he had a big. Nothing was done. There were no interviews, no hellos, nothing after a show. The show was over. That was it. They were done with everything. Gene would go hide and recover and, you know, try to regain his composure and they would go back to the hotel. Everything was before time. Everything was always before a show. But you know nope. what? I, I, I actually respect the hell out of that because if they're doing it all ahead of time, that means he knows, dude, I'm about to. Oh, yeah. Every, everything I have, I'm, I'm going to blow my whole load and I'm going to eat my Twinkie and go to fuck asleep. Oh, uh, <laughs> he absolutely knew. They all did. They really all did knew that, you know, this when once that set is done, that's it for the night. Gene at that time was unfunctional after shows right you know right. that's that's how much power and presence and and pride he put into everything See, that makes nobody, me all the more man nobody in that band would ever do anything half-assed when when jimmy durkin now here here's another interesting one on my layover between the ultimate revenge tour and the sick of it all I'm at my apartment in Brooklyn, which I wound up sharing with Scott, you know, from combat. We wound up getting a place together and I would crash there all the time. Um, I get a phone call from Scott. Hey, listen, you know, have you heard from Durkin? I'm like, what? Like Durkin's missing. So what do you mean he's missing? He's like, they got off stage. Durkin got in a cab. Nobody's seen him since. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Are you? Like, what the f- what are you talking about? <laughs> what don't you understand? Jimmy Darkin is gone. We don't know where the fuck he is. We don't know what happened. He's gone. Okay, what are we doing? I need you to call this number, track down this guy, Brett Erickson. He's in the band Viking. The number is from Gene. Gene said to tell him to get in touch with Gene right away. Track him down wherever you have to. I said, okay, you know, I guess. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> now dark angel so was yeah <laughs> dark angel was jimmy's band you know that was his band he founded it he brought don dotty in and, and everybody else right he felt that he was going through some personal issues and he couldn't concentrate on stage anymore And because he was going through these personal things, he couldn't give his 110%. And therefore, it was better off for him to just walk away than to have anybody try and convince him to to stay around. He didn't want to be a detriment to the band. Exactly. He knew he couldn't give 110% every night. So his mind said, it's better for me to walk away than it is to go out and half-ass it. Wow. That that was the level of professional with them. We finally tracked down Brett. Brett was there two days later. They had to postpone one show. He learned the entire set, which included We Will Arrive, 
uh, Leave Scars, one new track from, um, no, I'm sorry, uh, one new track from Time Does Not Heal, which they were testing out at the time. I love that uh, fucking record. We Have Arrived, Darkness Descends, and um, Leave Scars. He learned it all in three and a half days. Wow. And wow. Pretty much, you know, became the guitarist, you know, the member of Dark Angel until Durkin decided it was time to come back, which, you know, wasn't until after Time Does Not Heal. Wow. That's fucking impressive. What a fucking story, John. God I, damn. I'm and so if glad you I ever to come on here. If you ever I'll, want I'll to blow you later, like, man. Calm down. If, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna hold you to that ever want to get to know gene or anybody in that band but predominantly gene just sit down and get a lyric sheet for time does not heal for that entire album and read it from beginning to end and you will know everything about gene's mind gene wow. is absolutely fucking brilliant his i believe it's his father is a rogue scholar is oh, wow. a, it's a rogue scholar for in english and lit, in english literature and his mom i think was the doctor is the doctor of the family but he he's a very intellectual person who has an amazing musical talent and they go hand in hand very well in his world you know, wow, he used dude. Both that's just awesome. Advantage. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite Dark Angel album, man. I love Time Does Not Heal. Love some, some of those lyrics are so dark and disturbing. Oh, I know, dude. They're fucking beautiful, though. They're beautifully dark. You know, they're just fucking, oh, they're great. Dark and, Angel's great. But that's all, that's all him. He wow. basically writes everything for for that band sweet yeah he wrote a, a lot of the stuff when he was with with chuck in death you know which freaked chuck out because you know you couldn't have somebody who was a better writer than he was <laughs> yeah. god damn what a bitch man oh not he, to speak ill of the dead but jesus and, wow. and you know it's kind of funny because about two months ago I got a phone call from a friend of mine in Florida who's working on yet another Chuck biography. It's like, dude, you've told the same miserable story. It's been told 15 fucking times already. Okay. It's over. It's done. Yeah. He was great to his fans. Everybody else. Nobody else fucking cared. The ultimate question is now, and it actually came up on one of those stupid metal sucks or whatever freaking dumbass websites. Uh-huh. So I got a call. Well, since you worked with him and you were on a bus with him and you were here and you were there, was Chuck gay? What the fuck does that matter to anything? Because that's the new thing now. That's the new excuse for how he acted. Was oh, that's he, ridiculous! I don't, I don't remember hearing any stories of how of, of Halford being a little bitch prima donna, and oh, I could be wrong. Not. But of course not. I've never heard any stories like that. Nobody even knew until he left fucking priest. I mean, he was always I, everything I've heard. He's a consummate professional and always good with the fans. So how how the fuck is that even news? 
Well, the best thing that Halford ever said in regards to that, when he was doing an interview and they some the guy had said, well, why do you have, you know, what made you decide to tattoo your head? And when your hair grows in, you know, what's the point of having tattoos on your head? And Halford turned around and said, well, if I'm going to have something in my hair, at least it's permanent. <laughs> yes. See, it, it takes a second for you to realize what he was saying. <laughs> yeah, it means I kind of got a tattoo by head just in case I get old decide I don't want to shave it anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> oh, man. It was the no, whole... I got the joke, John. <laughs> can, I, can, I can, I, can I be honest with you, though? Even as a young dude, man, and I love Priest. They were one of my all-time favorite bands, but I'll never forget. This was like in the 80s, bro, way before Halford came out of the closet. And I'm getting high with my older brother upstairs at my mom and dad's house where we live. And we got our fucking wall art with all our favorite bands. And I just remember getting stoned with my big brother, Dave, and I'm going, dude, is it just me or does Jesus Priest look like fucking... Especially Rob Halford. He looks like a gay biker strung out on fucking drugs. And my brother just died laughing. And then years later, he came out of the fucking closet. And I was like, I knew it. I don't dude, know wait, why. But I dude, knew it. almost he came the out. same story. Me I and my stepdad. Per- me and my stepdad. Because my stepdad got me to a lot of the metal I listened to. Uh, now, my dad is responsible for Kiss because he gave me those two Kiss records. I told you about that. Uh, if Douglas doesn't know, my dad comes home. I'm in third grade in Heidelberg, Germany. So we're talking 1983. I do nothing about metal. You know, I listened to Michael Jackson, Madonna. I listened to the shit that was popular on radio. My dad comes home from work one day, walks into my room, throws me two vital albums and says, some guy in the barracks gives me this. I don't, I don't want this clown shit. You can have it. It was the Kiss 1974 debut of Kiss Alive. Nice. Hooked immediately on rock and roll. Now, my mom marries a guy 10 years younger than her after we get to New York. My, you know, my folks get divorced. And this guy's in the Wasp and Sister and fucking Megadeth and Metallica and Maiden. So he got me into all this music. We're watching Judas Priest videos one day. So we're talking 86, 87. He's like, dude, I don't know how a guy that wears that much leather isn't gay. <laughs> well, and then, the of big question was... Out. But back in the 80s, remember, it was... Nobody cared. I, well, I have to say no. this for for the listeners because we're not gay bashing. Absolutely not at all. You know, Absolutely it was it, it was a different time, and people kept it quiet because the world was a fucked up place, especially in this country. They weren't so accepting as as we are now. You know, we don't give a fuck. Rock it out, exactly. dude. I don't give a damn who you're boning. Right. You know, but back then, it was like it was like, how do you get away with that wearing all that leather and spikes and stuff? It was just funny to come out so many years later. That's great stuff. And the question yeah. was, after he came out, was how did nobody realize? Because nobody right. cared. Nobody cared. Like, exactly. Nobody they were metal. Metal. metal was there all was... denim and leather. Like, right. if you look at the video now for Hot Rockin', it's like, oh, my God, all the signs were there. Who gives a shit? Right. The same thing with um, with Accept, Udo Dirkschneider. Right. You know? A blatant, blatant, telling you straight out, nobody Dude, that, gave a shit. That fucking cover for Balls to the Wall, even as a kid, I thought that was so homoerotic. I'm like, this album rocks, but what's with the dude with the fucking, what is what that, man? I was like, 
that that cover always made me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, oh. But the original vinyl for that didn't have a lyric sheet specifically because of the lyrics of of Balls to the Wall. Oh, I know. He I talked know. about that a thousand times. He's like, the record company refused to to release the lyrics for it. Because the greatest guitar riffs ever. Oh, absolutely. They were a great freaking band, period. Yeah, and and look, I mean, we don't give a fuck, man. We love Rob. We love Udo. It don't matter, you know? Like, I could get fucked up. Not even a little bit. No. See, I live in the Bible Belt now, so I got... Dude, people be pissing me off down here. And, you know, in my family's Southern. I'm I'm North Carolina, Virginia, blooded. I was just born in Virginia... Spent all my time as a young kid, either in Germany or in the South. But I spent 32 years up North. So, uh, you know, I lean certain ways on certain things. I mean, everybody knows my politics. We're not going to get into that. But there's things that I'm like, what the hell does that matter? You know, one of the things that pisses me off the most when you, is, is when you hear, hey, and I don't even like this band. That's why I'm going to defend this band. Hey. Did you hear Alice in Chains got a black lead singer? Could he fuck like us? Really? Like really? Fuck. I mean, have you heard Lejean Witherspoon? Do you remember Living Color? Fucking Prince and Michael Jackson are the baddest bitches on the planet. I mean, fuck uh, you, Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. Prince is the greatest motherfucking musical genius producer across the board. I will fight anybody who has anything oh, yeah. to say otherwise. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to blow you too then. <laughs> he is fucking amazing. That guy for years show is the man. most underrated guitar Completely player. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. People think about you know, his, his entire compositions as a whole, but they take away from the man's genius on those six strings, and it infuriates me every day. Yeah, I, I hear you, man, because one of the things that. I remember that um, they did that tribute to George Harrison. It was him and Tom Petty. Oh and I forget how God. the other guitar and his, gently weeps. He stole oh my God. Absolutely. He fucking 100%. shredded, man. He shredded. It was amazing. I was like, holy shit. I didn't like everything the guy did, but you cannot say that the man was not talented. I mean, there's a guy. Well, you might know him, Bushy. Mike Sears. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Mike. He's got his own... Um, podcast i think it's speak your cloud or speak, speak your, your cloud, cloud or something. yeah and he got into it with some douche who said that prince was a hack it's like look if you don't like prince's music that's one thing everybody's got their opinion you know sure. but to say the man was a hack that he was not talented you're a fucking moron that dude you are 25 a instruments self-taught yeah Fuck you. yeah yeah <laughs> the guy was a phenomenal musician you cannot it, take that away from him i'll tell Fuck you what him. And I, and I know we've sidetracked from the metal for a second, but damn it, I'm going to stand on this Prince thing. For anybody that thinks that Prince is not the shit and one of the most underrated guitar players that ever lived, watch the Super Bowl halftime show. Greatest Corey Super Gray, Bowl show ever. And he ever. refused to fucking lip sync and fake play. So they're plugged in on that slick stage with his little fucking high heel goddamn shoes, and he killed that solo to Purple Rain. Fuck yeah, he did. One of the greatest artists ever. After that first song, when he realized he was out of tune, he made the adjustment. And then do you remember him tossing the guitar at his tech that he almost took his head off? Yeah. Like, how dare you try to embarrass me like this? Yeah, on the biggest stage of the world. Greatest Super Bowl show show ever. Yes, sir. Followed only secondly by Michael Jackson. Look at that. (laughs) 
Uh, no. <laughs> what, what was it, Aerosmith and Britney Spears? Shut up. Oh, Christ, absolutely not. No I don't even get started on Aerosmith. 70s Aerosmith is awesome. 80s Aerosmith sucks huge demon cock. I said it. That's it. It's over. Ever notice how rehab, like, really fucks people up? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. Look, it's if, like, I have to, if I have to start saying that serenity prayer in the middle of this podcast, I would be pissed. <laughs> Duckets, I'm telling you, bro. Like, I love me some old school Megadeth, but man, when he got cleaned up, I was like, I want the fucking strung out on heroin, suicidally depressed Mustang back because they lost their edge. Look at Metallica. Dude, well, the piece was what never clean. What are you talking about? Was no. He, no, he wasn't. No, totally no, 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 Anyway, man, we're getting sidetracked here because we went <laughs> going from Gene Hoglin, I interrupted you, and then we were talking about Prince, but you were you were you that, were doing that, the whole sick of it all tour. I'm, I'm, I'm the pop fan, my bad. No, it's yeah, okay. It's, it's okay, man. Um hey, listen, I'll talk about Prince any day in a friggin' week. Um, I got oh, no problem oh with God. that whatsoever. Well, that's fine, man. It's a great this is a great conversation. It's awesome. But uh there is one thing I need to do. Bushy, we're going to have to edit this. I got to take my puppy dog out to pee, man. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> she's all, she's all, I'm surprised you can't hear her. She's all, hur, hur, hur. I'm like, would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> I'm hiding back in my girlfriend's bedroom with the door shut because there's like, there's two out of three kids here. My daughter's not here yet, so I feel you. <laughs> right on, brother. Where's but, she uh, hiding and out? When we get, and when we get back, Duckets, we can talk about the story you were going to tell about being on uh, Sick of It All tour. Okay. Yeah, all right. and all that. finish that. No, my yeah. daughter is actually a buy house right now. Oh, okay. she's just laying low. Yeah, yeah. Right on. So, I'll be right I back, guys. I of work. I went home. I showered. Then I came here to crash. How no she? Uh, how did she make the adjustment living down there? She likes it. She's the reason we live down here. Yeah, I, well, I, re- I remember she. She's the one who wanted to go down, but you know. Well, no, I I had begged her for years to move south because I, I'm not. Although, although after being up there for so long, I'm thinking it's the opposite, but I hate the fucking weather. I just, I just prefer to be in the South. The people make more, or I'm sorry, made more sense to me. Because <laughs> I'm not a Bible Belt guy. I'm a, hey, fuck you, you know, I'll lick your click kind of guy. You know, I just, I, I say whatever I want so I'm a New York guy, you know. Yeah. When I got to New York, I was, Christ, just about to turn 12 years old. And even... 30 minutes from Canadian border. New York is New York. There's a certain attitude that comes with it. Exactly. Yep. But I wanted to get her away from, short of saying her mom, the drugs and everything that was going on up there. Yeah. You know, and I kept begging to go down south. We uh, 2017, the first uh, rocket pod in Nashville, we spent a week with my dad in Virginia. I took her to Virginia Beach. She had never seen the fucking ocean before. You know, I took her to, to have some real southern fucking barbecue. You know, and, and she was loving everything about it. So I kept pressing, come on, baby, don't you want to move? Because her mom was in prison. You know, what the fuck are we saying up there for? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
The summer where I lost my job because they wanted me to work nights and I had nobody to take care of her because I couldn't trust people up there even though they were her own blood. Yeah. She comes up to me one day, man, and she's like, Dad, I don't want to live my life not having tried it. Can we try it? I called my buddy Dub, which is the guy, Mountain Man, that started this show with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, we, we got to get this child down there to find out what's going on because North Carolina is where I wanted to be anyway. I don't want to go to Virginia because I might as well stay in New York. Yeah. The taxes are high. The cost of living's high. The jobs suck. You know, so I didn't want to go there. He calls me up three days later, dude, and says, uh, hey, Bushy, Merry Christmas. You and Nevaeh are coming down here for Christmas. So this is 2018. They bought the tickets for us. We drove to Syracuse, got on a fucking train, rode a day and a half on a train, which Nevaeh loved. Me, I hated it, but Nevaeh loved it. We arrive in Charlotte. We hit our first Waffle House, you know, right there in Charlotte. Nevaeh had never been to a Waffle House. She enjoyed that. We get to these mountains, because I'm in the mountains of western North Carolina. I'm right up on the Tennessee border. Yeah. She could not understand that people that had no idea who the hell you were would come up and just say, hey, how you doing? Talk to you. Everybody's so nice, because they are. Until they find out you're not a god lover, then they get a little pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> but she fell in love with these mountains. We were down here for a week. We were, it was supposed to be a two-week stay. And then go back New Year's Day. After being here for five days or a week, she's like, I don't want to go back to New York. I don't want to go back to New York. I'm like, baby, Thor's up there, our dog. Mm -hmm. Number seven's up there, our cat. Uh, Reese's is up there, her guinea pig. We have to go home. What ended up happening is we canceled our tickets at 1.30 in the morning, New Year's Day, to go back to New York. And me and my buddy got in his pickup truck because she would not let it go. We got in his pickup truck. We drove the 15 hours to Watertown, New York. Spent five hours loading everything that we could possibly need that would help us sustain for a little while into that truck and drove the 15 hours right back down. And we've just been here ever since. The best way to do it. Clean, cut, boom, done. Well, yeah, because we were planning March or April after taxes. But you know what would have happened. There would have been a reason to stay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I'd have found a good job as opposed to the minimum wage job I was working at the time because my unemployment had run out. You know, there, there would have been a reason to stay behind. We just said, fuck it. And now I'm making more money now as a schmuck than I was as a fucking supervisor in that factory in New York. And there's no, no income tax down there, right? No, there's income tax here. Like if I was in Tennessee, there's no state tax. Oh, okay. State income tax. But North Carolina, there is. But, dude, cigarettes are $5 a pack. Food's cheaper. Gas is cheaper. The only thing I don't like is they have a personal property tax. Like, in New York, you have to own a house to get charged taxes every year, right? Yeah. Well, down here, you know, like in New York, you register your car. Two years later, you go register it again. You pay the tax on the registration, right? Uh Uh-huh. Down here, you register your car every fucking year. Every year. You pay the taxes on that, but then there's a separate tax called the personal property tax. Now, it does go down year by year as your vehicle gets older, and it's not a lot of money. I'm just like, dude, fuck you. I got to pay taxes on it. I pay tax to buy it. I pay tax to register it. Now, I got to pay tax just because I own the motherfucker. Oh, and that's shit. on every motor vehicle you own. So, if you have jet skis and wheelers, they don't have sleds down here because there's not enough snow. But any vehicle you have... That you register, you pay a personal property tax on every year. 
Damn. As well as your land taxes and house taxes and school taxes and all that. Unbelievable. I had no idea they did that down there. But, dude, the cost of living is fucking stupid. I Even mean, with all were... that added on? Huh? Even with the uh, the property taxes and, well, and everything see, else I, added on? I don't on? own, I rent. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. Nevaeh and I lived in a one-bedroom, roach-infested apartment just before we left. I mean, it was horrible. It was like every horror story you've heard out of New York City exists in a water town. <laughs> you know, it was just on a smaller scale. Yeah. You know what I mean? We get down here. Now, that was $850 a month for a one-bedroom apartment that I couldn't even move my bed into. I slept on my living room floor. Oh, shit. So that Nevaeh could have the bedroom. $850 a fucking month. We're living in a two-bedroom, now, I mean, it's a trailer, but it's a two-bedroom, 500 a month. Wow. Yeah, the, the, the cost of living here is stupid. Gas is still under $2 a gallon. Jesus. Yeah, I got three years to retire, and we're trying to figure out where we're going. Oh, retirement? Um, Tennessee... Because your retirement won't be hit with state taxes. That's a good place. And dude, there's a lot in Tennessee. I mean, Johnson City's cool. You got Memphis on the other side. You got Nashville right in the fucking center. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I would totally move to Nashville. You know, Nashville, uh, from where I live, is only like four and a half, five hours away. Same here. Really? Yeah, I drove. Yeah. I drove uh, to I'll the. Go grab a beer. I'll go ahead and check because I'll be able to edit all this out anyway. All right, we're fucking back, and we were talking about. Well, we were we went off on tangent about how amazing of a musician Prince was, and before Don't that, start that again. And then, and before that, I, I kind of hit you up with what kind of guy Gene Hoglin was, and we went off on a whole tangent about that, which I do not regret because I'm a huge fan of his. Absolutely. But you were you were just getting back to where you, you kind of came back home. You were in Queens. You were talking about how the music community was very tight-knit oh, there. Hold on. And you wait, were about hang to... on one time out. I am Brooklyn 100%. I never right. lived in Queens. Right. <laughs> I, I stayed I, at a hotel yeah, in Queens I know that. right across from LaGuardia. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, hey, be all right, that, man. That that's a massive insult right there. Okay. Okay. okay I like La, I, I like Lafayette pizza. Hey, Leave me alone. You get break, man. I'm I, I, I'm a white boy who lives in the fucking sticks in Illinois, man. What do I know? You know, I, I I live across the river, you know, to St. Louis, but I'm a rube. We don't know any better. Anyway, um, we're not sophisticated <laughs> like you folks from New York are. Um, but anyway, you were about to. Uh, Going about how the music, you know, that the music community was very tight knit in the Queens area that Duckets does not live in, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and has never lived in and never been a part of. Well, Queens, <laughs> Queens had the famous music building. Now, the Queens music building gave birth to White Lion, Anthrax, uh, Nuclear Assault. Fuck yeah. Um, Metallica, Raven. You had me at White Lion. I know. I, I heard the, the splash on the wall. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I just let it all go. <laughs> Good God. You know, so, and, and Queens had a very, very big hardcore scene, which nobody really knew about. Everybody 
considered hardcore being New York City because, you know, that's where you had CBs and the Sunday matinees and the Hard Rock Hotel and and, you know, all those other fucking insanity. But um, Sick of It All was their first record was coming out. In effect, was a brand new label at the time. Which was actually um, one of the guitar players, Steve Martin, was the PR guy for In Effect. And Steve later on went to went on to become the mastermind behind Radiohead and Tool. He's their their press manager, agent, you know, the whole works. So Radiohead and Tool. So this is the guy we should hunt down and beat severely above the head and neck. Exactly, because he got everybody's face. You I know. love this tool, but all right, go ahead. Eh, it sounds like a personal issue. But anyway. Thank, thank um, you, Doc. Thanks for having <laughs> my back on something, for fuck's sake. Well, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I, I will say this about tool. I like, like, the first few albums, but they're, uh, yeah, they haven't done anything for me in a really long time. So continue. Even, even that first sober stupidity was just like, just stop. Just yeah, yeah. OBA. Fire a way to make a stiffy go lippy? Play some tool. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, my uh, my favorite album, which really wasn't an album, was Opiate, the first record. Ugh. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, back to real music. Um, like <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk about White Lion. Come on now. Fuck yeah. Yes. Um, so anyway. Way, way. Okay, I'm sorry. I never had a chance to love you. All right. Uh, hey, listen. Don't you get know, me on a veto, bitch, because we'll never get back on topic. Look, there was one. There were three crowds at Lemoore's. You had the metalheads that we were there Thursday night, Friday night. You know, wall of death, mosh pits, the whole fucking works. Fuck yeah. You had you had the the borderline guys that would hang out in the back by the bar. And you had the girls that nobody wanted to bother with on Thursday and Friday nights because they kicked the shit out of you. Saturday nights, you'd see the same crew of all the, you know, fuck hair metal and, and fuck these hair metal bands that would be yelling on Friday and Saturday, all dressed up and cleaned up on Saturday because that was lipstick and spandex nights. Yes. And we'd all give each other the look like, you know, what goes on here on Saturday doesn't get repeated on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> wow. Where were the girls though? Where were the girls? The girls were on Saturday nights. That's yes, why they were. Oh, be there Saturday. <laughs> Telling each other, no, you didn't see me here. But anyway, um, so sick of it all. We're gonna go out with Leeway. Well, why are we going out with Leeway? Because they're opening for the Bad Brains. What? Going on tour with the Bad Brains? Yes. These bad Brains, I know. Fuck what? What? Oh my god. I I'm I'm getting lightheaded just thinking about the shit that went on with those guys. You want to talk about oh, holy crap. I've never seen so much pot smoked in my life. Nice. But that's you know, that's what they're about. They're Rastafarians and HR is a a Rastafarian priest and you know, it's really funny when you go into when you go in to get paid at night and he's sitting there, you know, with his mat, with 
the band's manager, Tony, and, you know, counting out money. And as he's handing you money, the whole conversation starts about Ja. And, you know, before you get paid, Ja, you know, you have to admit Ja is everywhere. You know, a lot of fun. Great, great shows in a van. You know, we flew out to Cali, rented a van, met up with everybody. uh, The brains are in a bus. Leeway's in a bus. Here comes sick of it all in a van and, you know, a little red Toyota or something following the van around because, you know, we're the peons of the tour. But (laughs) great, great time until I accidentally ran over the drummer um, for sick of it all. Wait, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Real? That's that's not where I thought this fucking story was going to (laughs) go. Yeah, they, um, the drummer that recorded the album, who's back in the band now, Armand, couldn't do the tour. He was busy with his band, um, Rest in Pieces. So, sick of it all, went out and found the new drummer, this kid, Max. And he was a kid. You know, we go to California, first day we're there. We, uh, we f- we're staying with friends of the bands, the hardcore hardcore shows are completely different when you go on a hardcore tour you don't stay in hotels you stay at people's houses and what had happened was we got to cali they put on everywhere we went they put on what's called a garage show the band would go in play a couple of songs in a garage they pass around the hat you get whatever money's in the hat thank you very much you got money to get to your next show nice Brilliant, brilliant, the most fun ever because you're hanging out with people, you know, you're sleeping in people's basements and garages and living rooms and shit and, you know, really having a good time. But we go outside, you know, Max is looking for something in the van. I got the Toyota parked behind the van. He's leaning in to pull something out. I accidentally hit it into second gear and the Toyota jumps and crushes his legs between the bumper of the van. Oh, and the... God damn Vince Neil. What's your problem? I was not a popular person that day. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy. What? We pulled him out before the cops showed up. Um, drove him to the nearest hospital and he had fucked up. He had fucked up his, uh, his left knee. I think he had a slight tear in his MCL. Ouch. And it's to do the shows anyway. Oh, okay. Wow. Taped, put a brace on, taped it up and, and did the shows anyway. That motherfucker did the show anyway. Yep. Did the show. That's anyway. fucking awesome. Oh, metal. I'm telling oh, you. That's, that's metal, metal, man. Yeah. It gets better now better than that oh yeah oh yeah the bad brains part of the tour is over now we're gonna make our way back to new york city what do we do well let's book a few shows on the way back okay great we come through we hit arizona we hit salt lake city again next show is in cleveland okay we have friends in cleveland Two people that I'm still friends with to this day. This one girl, Libby, and another girl named Robin. Libby is the greatest. She hooks us up with a show in 
a Masonic, a, a retired Masonic temple. Nice. I'm sorry. This is in Pittsburgh. So, oh, okay. So we're going on our way. Da, 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 da. Libby drives from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. Meet up at the show. Doing the show. Everything's fine. Great. Get a couple hundred bucks. Everybody's hanging outside. All of a sudden, somebody starts screaming. Now, if you want verification on this, I'd be more than happy to provide you any details and many witnesses. People start screaming like, what the fuck is going on? This guy, you know, looks a little homeless, dreadlocks, filthy. He's carrying a shopping bag. He walks up to us. He says, oh, I'm sorry. The writer, Mike Gitter, he wrote for Kerrang! and Metal Edge and a bunch of other magazines is there with us. Mike is standing next to me. He walks up to us. He goes, you motherfuckers ever see a human head? So it's like, what? He puts his hand in the bag and pulls out a human head. Oh, my God. What the fuck? The guy had killed his girlfriend or wife and cut her head off. And walking around the parking lot, dragging this woman's head in a shopping bag. Chill, whoa. Yeah. Holy fuck, we dude. Scatter. We hear sirens coming. Everybody scatters. People are just jumping in people's cars. I wound up in the car with people I had never, I knew they were at the show, had never seen them before, and never saw them again after this. But we all just scattered and ran and, and finally met up somewhere at some bar or something that everybody would go to. And that's where like everybody reconvened and was like, "What the fuck was that all about?" That's you know, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, watching oh the news God. and this guy on the ground in handcuffs, and there's the shopping bag full of blood with his wife's head in it. Oh my God, <laughs> that's metal kind of on the dark side. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, man. Mike did a whole story in Kerrang about it because nobody would believe it. Wow, <laughs> that's nuts! I would. That's like some grindcore shit, dude. Does Ring uh, archive all their stories? I would love to be able to look I that up. So. That would be. Um... Oh, there's the laminate hanging in front of me. Hold on a second. October of ninety. Uh, October of ninety. Wow. Wow. Because I know, like, uh, Circus Magazine has a, a, a Facebook page and a. Uh, an Instagram page because Circus was my mag. Circus yeah. and Hit Parader. But damn, I would love to actually be able to read that damn article because that's the crazy no shit, heard. man. That's some fucked up shit. You know, dude. I thought I saw things out there in the world. I fortunately have never, well, I can't say that. I have never seen it that close again. Yeah, that's fucked up, man. I mean, I've seen some fucked up things. I've seen some weird shit, but I've never seen nothing like that, dude. That's fucked up. Well, I've seen close, but it's been in war zones. It's never been, <laughs> hey, no, I'm walking through fucking Pittsburgh. And <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Hey, man, Hello, yeah, buddy, I want to buy a taco. Check out my wife's head. <laughs> I mean, Hello, I... shop bag. Here you go. You know, thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Like, I, as a nurse, as a nurse, I've seen some fucked up things, you know, but not, not like that. Not like, hey, man, it's my wife's head. 
Say hello, you know? What the fuck? What? You ever see a human head before? I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, we thought it was like a mannequin's head or something until the blood started, you know, was dripping out of it and everything. I was like, oh, well, that's a great Halloween MAGA. That's real. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's pure D psycho right there. Holy cow. (laughs) God. Well, my hard on's gone. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Man, I'm so glad we got you on as a guest, John. This is fucking awesome. This is awesome. You know what? Some of the best stories are just about, you know, people being rock stars getting knocked down a little bit. But, you know, that one just to this day is still... You know the legendary fucking story, right? I could that, see why. I mean, that fuck. still echoes. How do you top you know? that? Hey man, have you ever seen a human head before? I did. Motherfucker pulled it right out of a bag and asked me <laughs> if I'd ever seen it before. Try to hit pull me it out. Try to hit fuck. me right upside the head with it. What the Jesus. fuck, man? That's Don't forget crazy. to tip your waitress. Jesus. <laughs> I'm saying, fuck. Yeah, yeah. It does. Wow. It, Another okay, another winner story like that, getting a little bit off the timeline. Um, okay, sick of it all. Torrens, I wind up leaving. Oh no, I'm sorry. The Torrens, I go back to combat. They call me in. Okay, uh, we need you to put together. You're going on an arena tour. Like, who do we have that's going on an arena tour? We had Satriani. He had his own people. You know, he's been touring for years. Right. You know who possibly be oh we bought shotgun messiah onto the rat tour so it's going to be shotgun messiah bonham dangerous toys and rat okay my heart is back (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like uh yeah you know you bought them on yeah okay well you know let's discuss details Okay, well, we want this. We want a video wall, both sides of the stage. You know, we're going to have stage designs. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So I'm like looking at all the paperwork and stuff. And I'm like, you know, hold on a second. I said, you bought a spot on the tour, the opening band. You're getting 15% of the stage. What? What does that mean? I said, you get, if the stage is 10 feet, you're getting a foot and a half. You're not doing video screens. You're not doing any of this. This is all. No, no, no. You know, we're going to have the biggest hair band going. You know, Shaka Messiah, they're the bomb. They're going to be it. They're going to be it. I'm like, okay, you know what? I really haven't listened to this record. Let's, you know, I'm going to take the CD home. I'm going to listen to it. And, you know, we'll reconvene tomorrow. Put together anybody you need on the team. Get in touch with uh, SIR, uh, Studio Equipment Rentals. SST, get everything done. The tour goes off in three months. Okay, fine. I listened to the record. Oh, God, it gave me such a headache. I like that album. <laughs> <laughs> he got it shouting out. Shout. Yeah, it's a fucking laundry commercial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pepsi uh, tape. Shut up, Mike. <laughs> Pepsi tape. I'm sorry. Hey, I love rat. Stuff. Does that help? Oh, I got a great rat story for you. Oh, I know you do. I know you do. You kind of tease me with it, but keep going, <laughs> keep going, dude. This is fucking gold. All right. So I, I listen to the record. I go back to the office the next day. I'm like, listen, everything you want is not going to work. 
in comes, well, okay, we got guys, you know, we have a member of the band here. He wants to meet you. They want to talk about everything they want to do. In walks Pepsi. I'm like, dude, please, you, you fucking, you got so much junk in you, I can smell it. Oh, shit. Okay? You know, this is not going to happen. What you guys want is not going to work. Well, you know, we we need to have this. We need to have that. We want six by six video walls. It's bro. It's not going to fit. So while well, basically I'm, you're like, must be nice living in fantasy land. Exactly. Exactly. I'll have to come by for a visit sometime, motherfucker. <laughs> right. Vein one more time with the Aquanet and, you know, it, then come back to reality. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I used to use Aquanet. Leave me alone. <laughs> Damn, as long as you're not tapping the vein, you know? Um, so this argument's going on for a while. Finally, Barry Corbin comes back into the room. He says, listen, the rat has decided that we're not welcome on the tour. I said, okay, you know, great. Thanks. What are we going to do? Well, you know, we'll figure it out. They send um, Pepsi out of the room. Like, okay, well, we need to talk. I'm like, all right, you know, what's (laughs) what's the next deal? Well, you know, we've decided that we're going in a different direction with everything. Uh Oh, what are you talking about? Well, we're shutting down combat. Scott has been terminated. Megadon's been terminated. Uh, you can stay on working for in effect, but your your title is gone. Oh shit! So, what are you talking about? It's a Wednesday afternoon. Like yeah, you know we're we're shutting down the label. All the metal is going to in effect. We're concentrating on hardcore. We're not doing any more metal bands. You know the choice is yours if you want to stay or not. So I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking Scott always told me, always protect your Rolodex. No matter what happens, get your Rolodex. So for those of you youngins that don't know, they were like little business cards you would staple onto each other. <laughs> file. I run downstairs. And it literally rolled. You'd it flip literally it, flip rolled. It, flip it, flip it. It was, it. It was circular. Was yep. I go downstairs to, to the office. Scott's Rolodex is gone. Mega's is gone. Mine is sitting there on the desk. I see the guy coming, like, you know, to get it, to take it to the copy room. And I'm like, oh, hell no. I take it. I run out of the building. I'm like, fuck this. I'm done. I quit. It's over. It's okay. Go back to get on the train, go to Brooklyn. So ah, what are we going to do now? The next morning, there's a message on my answer machine. Hey, John, it's Monty Connor. Monty was um, the label director for Roadrunner. Yep, and he's with Nuclear Blast now. Yes. He oh, says, uh, you know, now, Monty and I, everybody back then hung out. As much as it was a competition, all of the labels, we all spent way too much time together. Oh, you know? That's like politicians. Democrats and Republicans will argue in the house and they go have beer at night. Exactly. So. Exactly. Like, if we got a demo that we knew Monty would like, or Monty would do something with, we'd give it to him. If he got something we wanted, you know, he gave it to us. It, it, exactly. It was, you know, the, the Senate floor. Everybody hates each other, but in the back room, they're all making deals. Yeah, yeah. So he calls me. He says, listen, you know, 
Come down. I want to take you out to lunch. Let's talk. I figure, okay, great. I'm going to have another job. Boom, done. Nothing to worry about. Go down, <laughs> eat lunch. Oh, you know, we got the new Sepultura album coming out. I said, yeah, you know, I, I heard a couple of rough mixes of it. Well, we're bringing them to the States. I said, okay. I said, uh, you know, what, what exactly do you plan on doing with them? Well, your band, uh, Faith or Fear, is going to do the opening. I said, okay, they were a combat band. Um, I said, okay, you know, Sean had mentioned, Sean was their manager, had mentioned the possibility of them doing a tour, even though at the time they had just got cut by combat. Right. Yeah. So he said, okay, well, we need somebody to, to put the tour together and manage the tour. I said, well, who am I working for? Am I working for Sepultura or am I working for Faith of Fear? He says, no, you're tour director. He says, whatever you need, you got blank checks, set it all up, oh, give shit. us the budget. Put it all together. Let us know what it's going to be. So, okay, great. Put that tour together. Bring them in. Uh, they fly into Philly. Hook up with them. Faith or Fear was from South Jersey. Get everybody together. Sitting there going, what the fuck did I get myself into now? You know, this this has got to stop at some point. There is another band where Sepultura were... They hated each other. Absolutely despised each other. Andreas, brilliant guitar player. I was Igor's tech as well as the tour manager. Brilliant, brilliant, brutal freaking drummer. Guy was insane. Max at the time only played with three strings on his guitar because that's all he knew how to play and didn't feel the need for the other three. And you had Paolo, the bass player, who right. we always thought was the biggest moron on the planet, yet he was the most diabolical douchebag I have ever met. Now, I have heard that Max and Paolo fucking hate each other's guts, so I guess hate that's true. It's 100%. By the second week of that tour, I was speaking Portuguese. Because they were just constantly fighting with each other in the van, yelling and screaming and throwing things and just completely out of control. And and Paolo would sit there, you know, with the stupid little smile on, like the, the kid in the back of the bus that has to wear a helmet. You know, that would be Paolo. He was the one who was instigating every fucking thing that went on. That, you know, the whole thing I've never understood about that, because I read Max's book and he kind of talked about how big of a dude. And I'm sitting there going, well, I mean, because I was always under the impression that it was Max and was it Andreas who was friends with? Because how the yeah. fuck did this guy keep his gig? Because I can't believe the Cavalier brothers. Why was, wasn't he fired? I mean, he wasn't even that great a bass player from what I understand. Was Paolo chemistry, dude? Did he hear those albums? Oh, hey, I love those records, man. But I'm just saying, out of anybody in the band, in my opinion, he's the weakest link. He's Absolutely. the one who could have been replaced. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I do not disagree. But it was his band. Him and Andreas formed the band back when they was uh, with their first singer, oh, who later went I on to Sacrifago. Yes. I thought that was a Max Cavalera project. <clears throat> no. Nope. That's true. That is true. Yeah. So Soulfly is a Max Cavalera yes. project. Oh, yes. Okay. Very much so. Soulfly, um, Nail Bomb, and uh, Cavalera Conspiracy. 
Love them all. Because I'm happy he's back with Igor. I know they were playing together for a while. I was like, what the fuck is that about? Your oh, for the for the longest time, they were not speaking to each other. I, it got ugly. It got yes. ugly, man. And it got ugly for one reason. The one that ruins every fucking band and every friendship on the planet. The fucker a, bass player. Nope. Pussy? A piece of pussy. See, you come on, man. Helen of, so. Hey, Helen of Troy, wars, wars have been started over the POP. Powered <laughs> pussy. You know, Helen Troy, hello. You know, you had Gloria, who set a beeline from Max when we were playing at the Mason Jar in Phoenix. She was also the manager of Sacred Reich. Right. Uh, Gloria Bujanowski and her daughter and the niece and everybody else. And... Gloria made a beeline for Max and, you know, they hit it off and, you know, whatever happened. And all of a sudden, you know, Gloria was the manager and Igor, you know, has stated numerous times that he felt that, you know, the rest of the band was being pushed aside and, and the focus was becoming on Max instead of on the band. You know, which led to the downfall. But in the background of everything, it was Paulo pulling the strings, twisting everybody's minds and shit. You know, he is one diabolical douchebag. Wow. <laughs> well, I know Max has no love for him, man. Yeah. I, I mean, that if you read Max's book, I mean, he straight up fucking tells you he can't stand See, him. I'm going to have to read that book. And, <laughs> and, and, and here's another thing from what I understand now, whether Max is telling the truth or not, because it's according to him. But I don't even think Paulo recorded some of those albums. The bass was played by Max and other people. From uh, Beneath the says. Remains, Beneath the Remains was partially recorded by Paulo, um, but the majority of the tracks were recorded by Max on bass. Yeah. A Rise, A Rise majority was recorded by Paulo with a couple of tracks recorded by Max, and then after that, it was like you know nobody really cared anymore anyway. Either way wow. of who was playing. I mean, after Arise, there was really nothing, you know, nothing left. But, you know, we're doing this tour and, and we get out to California and um, there's pictures with Sepultura standing there with James Hetfield and Lars is sitting on the steps, sitting next to Rich, the drummer from Faith or Fear. I took that picture. Wow. That's awesome. You know, they Metallica came down to hang out. They were there all friggin' night because everybody was into Sepultura but had never seen them before. You right. know, it was their first time in the States. Yeah, and there's a lot they, of I got us. into it with the Chaos AD album. Chaos AD had its moments, but Beneath the Remains, I Beneath I have certain albums that are very special to me. Sure. Beneath the Remains is like at the top there as much as i hate chuck leprosy is a very important album uh blood sweat and tears is a very important album you know there's certain records that stick with you yeah, for certain but, but, reasons besides yeah, the obvious beneath the remains and i love arise as well those are oh, my Arise favorites. was a great but oh, see that was the i tell you what see I've, I've listened to all these stories doc i said i'm like thank god i've only met a few of my heroes yes you know, thank god he, meeting because heroes. I would be crushed if if they were dicks. And I've heard a lot of the guys I like, or even ladies that I like, are just 
dicks. You know, I got mm-hmm. to meet Vixen, and I know you guys will laugh at that, but man, it was so oh, that's cool. cool. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I got um, to gloat over Cher, well, Cher Ross now, but Cher Peterson. She was always my favorite, the bass player from Vixen, because they always zoned in on her ass during that Edge of a Broken Heart video. She was my favorite. I got to meet them, and I was second row center to see them, you know, with kicks. It was amazing. I've got to meet J.D. Lane before he died, Kevin DeBro before he died. They okay, J.D. Lane, cool I got a great story for you. Oh, okay. Well, hit me with it then, dude. All right, this this hey, is like uh, back to the Sepultura tour. Yeah, this this was just a night we were at uh, the Limelight in Manhattan, just hanging out, having a few drinks. Janie Lane shows up, drunk out of his fucking mind. Of course, starts getting really, really, really stupid. And I had a few cocktails in me, and I'm getting really, really, really stupid. And the pictures wound up in newspapers and and everywhere else. Janie Lane assaulted in New York City. I knocked that motherfucker out. Oh. Yes. Hey, shut up, Mike. I'm the pissed giant off now. black eye. The picture. <laughs> that was me. That's beautiful. That was the second best punch I've ever thrown in my life. The first I, uh, one we'll get to in a few minutes because it was on the Sepultura tour. I got to. Uh, you know, I, I met Janie Lane. Um, there was a tour going around 1997, the Rock Never Stops tour. Uh, Firehouse Slaughter, War a Quiet Riot. That tour should have stopped before it started. But anyway. You. That was a great tour. <laughs> I saw behind a bar. Now, they had the whole 10-foot-high stage, but it was behind a bar in Scriba, New York, which is outside of Oswego, which I'm sure you've never heard of, Duck. It's even way oh, yes. down there. I've been there a few times. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Got a lot, a lot of good gas stations to get to a real city. But go ahead. Yes, exactly. You're absolutely right. 20 bucks for these tickets. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going, dude. Because these are my heroes. I've never seen any of them live. Firehouse killed it. Now, after every set, while the while the techs are setting up the, the equipment for the next band, every band came out and did a meet and greet with everybody, dude. So I got to meet all the guys from Firehouse. You know, Slaughter comes up, and I was blown away. I didn't realize they were as good as they actually are. So I got to meet Mark the first time there before I met him at fucking Rockin' Pod. Warrant comes out, and dude, every band played for an hour except Warrant. Warrant played two fucking hours Ugh. and killed. killed. Really? Dude, killed. Killed it myself. Was so fucking funny, man. Like, there was this <laughs> chick with, like, great tits. Like, this bitch was in shape, and she was gifted. And she was sitting on this dude's <laughs> shoulders with her shirt off, and J.D. Lay's doing, like, I saw red and stopped. And looked at her and said... Sweetheart, those are fucking amazing. And then looked at the rest of the crowd and says, I'm sorry, we're not the most professional band in the world. When they were doing We Will Rock You, you know, the Queen cover, he's running through the crowd. He high-fived everybody. There's one but like three, 400 people there. You know, it was just amazing. And then Quiet Riot came up and, you know, I got to meet all those guys. But my Janie Lane thing is, I'm walking down the street in Watertown, New York. You know, small city. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down Arsenal Street, which is like the main drag. It'd be like walking down Broadway, I guess, in Manhattan. Yeah. I'm walking down the street, and I walk by this blonde-haired motherfucker, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait a fucking second. And I turn around, and I just, J.D. And dude stops, turns around, and it's like, holy fuck, it's Janie Lane from Warren. He was on his solo tour. He was playing a small club just outside of Watertown, over by Fort Drum, New York, home of the 10th Mountain Division. 
<laughs> I had to throw that in. Fuck yeah, I did, because I'm a 10th Mountain guy. There you go. But this motherfucker comes up, he shakes my hand, he stood there for 10 minutes. He was on his way to try to go to the local bar down the street, but talked to me for 10 minutes. We got to talk about the uh, Rock Never Stops tour for a few minutes, and you know, he went on his way. He was super cool to me. But he was mostly sober. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the key word is mostly sober. Yeah, yeah, because, well, I was drunk too, so. Yeah, well. But it's a drunk memory that I remember. Those are the best. Well, here's another one of your idols is about to fall. Fast oh, forward. God. Fast forward to the last show, Sepultura, Faith or Fear. Providence, Rhode Island at a club called The Living Room. Great club. We used to love playing there. Because every tour I've ever been on, we purposely play the living room because, you know, we knew at the time we were going to get the greatest home cooked meal ever. The guy's mother, the guy that owned it, his mom would we you would order dinner like two weeks before the show. You would tell her what you want and it would be there waiting for you. Like she made the most incredible big ziti lasagnas, steaks. Oh, it didn't matter Italian what you woman. wanted. Oh, yeah. Little old Italian lady. Duckets, oh, wow. There's no Italians in fucking North Carolina. Uh, well, that needs to be addressed. I cannot get a good pizza. I cannot get good Italian food. I order spaghetti and marinara, and they give me ketchup and egg noodles. Fuck, fucking real. <laughs> you get a pizza with a frozen fucking crust. Uh, Out of a place called Capone's. How can you call your place Capone's if you got frozen crust? Jesus Christ. Nah, that that would definitely be deserving of a beatdown. Thank God I was drunk and the beer was good. (laughs) So anyway, we know it's the last show of the tour. It's just it's absolute fucking insanity. Sold out. I think the capacity at the time was like thirteen hundred. Nice. Um, We're just completely destroyed on stage. The last two songs Sepultura would do was I Don't Care About You, Fear, and um, Symptom of the Universe to close out the show. So the whole road crew, all of us, are just pounding fucking cocktails all night. It took us seven and a half hours to drive from New York to Providence, which is usually a three and a half hour trip. Because right. it was a massive blizzard. We got oh, there 30 minutes before the doors opened. So we're just like, it's the last show. Anything that could go wrong is going to go wrong. Let's just do it and have fun. And we'll worry about it, you know, when everything is all done. They're on stage. Sepultura is wrapping up. Okay, I know we got three songs left. I go down. I grab. I go to get like six pitches of beer to bring on stage for the last song. I go to the bar. I'm already falling over stupid fucking drunk i bump into this guy at the bar so he he pushes me back so i'm like all right you know no big deal whatever yeah i need six pitchers apparently i must have spilled something on him or whatever he turns around he jumps at it off the bar stool he goes you fucking pieces of shit who do you know who the fuck i am so I turn around, I look at him, I'm ignoring him. I just look at him, I turn my head, I'm waiting for the beer. All of a sudden, he slaps the pitcher of beer out of my hand. Oh, I turn around, I fucking cold cock him. Boom. Full force, he goes fucking down on the floor. The girl he's with, gorgeous, starts fucking screaming. The bouncers run over, I beeline back to the stage. 
Like so now the guys of Faith of Fear are standing there and they're like, What the fuck was that all about? The stage right roadie, Vince, comes over. He's fucking drunk hysterical. He goes, do you know what you just did? We're yelling over the PA system because, you know, you're on the stage. You can't hear shit. Right. He's like, you knocked Nino out. I said, what? I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) Ballister comes over, grabs me. He goes, dude, what did you do? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, you just punched out Nuno. I said, Nuno? He goes, yeah, Bencourt. I started laughing. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding Fuck me. Fuck that guy. Igor See, I'm not an extreme fan. Fuck Bencourt. Great guitar Igor player, but fuck him. Is is playing drums, and he's trying to listen to what's going on. So Vince yells at Igor. He goes, John punched out the dick from extreme. Igor starts laughing, drops his stick. Max is all fucked up. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. He turns around. They're carrying they're carrying Nuno out. He's got blood all over his face. I'm fucking hysterical. I'm like, I'm going to jail. I don't give a shit. It's Providence. How, you know, how bad can it be? There's six people that live in this state. Shit, I've been like, arrest me, please. It must be against the law to have this good a time. Knock out that fuck. Fuck that guy. I'm with Bushy. Fuck extreme. Ugh. Circle of the universe turned into a thank you for me laying him out. The people, Max just started changing lyrics, telling everybody in the crowd that I just <laughs> laid out Nuno and, and fuck hair metal and, and fuck those guys. And, and in middle middle of the fucking song, he pukes all over the stage and just oh. keeps. <laughs> That's awesome. That's dude. so fucking great. <laughs> that. That night will go down in fucking is one of the nights that goes down in infamy of just debauchery, drunken, stupid. You know what? That's I've decided that that's what I'm going to call this episode is debauchery (laughs) with ducats. (laughs) I just remembered another great. Oh, you're going to get a kick out of this one. Death, Dark Angel, Ultimate Revenge Tour. We pull in to the living room in Providence. We're sitting there. Dark Angels RV is in the front. That's in the back. We used to have a little competition going. You kept scores for certain things that you achieved during the tour. And whoever got the most points would win the pool. So this is our second time in Providence. So I'm hoping there was money or drugs involved. Uh, It was a lot of both. Okay. As long (laughs) as you win something. I'm I'm, I'm sitting in, in... in the death RV and this girl comes knocking on the door and she's like, Oh, do you remember me? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me see the top of your head. Um, <laughs> she's like, I'm looking for Mantis. I said, what? She goes, I'm looking for Mantis. Mantis was a dark angel roadie. I said, Oh, you know, I said, Mantis isn't with us anymore. He, you know, we sent him home a while ago. Well, I have to get in touch with him. I said, I don't know. Go up there, knock on their door, see if anybody knows where to get in touch with him. Her and the two girls that she's with go walking up to the front and something tells me, don't go back in the RV. Stand outside. Be a nosy little bitch. So I light a cigarette. I'm wandering around. I walk up to the front of the RV. She's yelling and screaming that she needs to get in touch with Mantis. 
one of the texts is like, but why? Why? She's like, stay here. Don't move. Like, where the fuck are we going? We're loading equipment in the building. You know, what are you going to run away from you? Fuck out of here. She comes back carrying a kid. Oh, oh my God. She takes well, the blanket. Well, at least blank- it is an age. That's where I thought you were going with this. She takes the blanket off the kid's face. And we all looked at each other and said, oh, shit, that's Mantis's. <laughs> fucking denying it. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. That's fucking hilarious. She had the cops come and everything to serve him with a a subpoena for child support and all this other crap. Fucking guy was back in L.A. You know, we didn't know where he was. One of the guys calls him from the tour bus and he's like, you know, uh, Danny. Yeah. One of your, uh, you know, one of one of the pieces is here. Oh, yeah. She's got a kid. You don't know me. Click. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, he said you don't know me. Oh my God, <laughs> this has been so much fun. I, I almost <laughs> think, I almost think this is a good stopping point. But I haven't heard my veto stories yet. I don't know what to do. Well, Mike, what do I do? Well, look, we can either do one or two things, man. We can either go on and then just edit it and do this in sequence. You know, like multi-part. Or we could stop here and then just invite John back on the next time we record and do part two then. I would absolutely love to do that because the touring stories are kind of, you know, getting a little. We'll, we'll go with some really good Lamore stories. OK, cool, man. Cool. Whatever you want to tell us, John, we will yeah, be here to listen, man. I that's mean, this, is, I would... this is amazing, dude. Like, I'm telling you, <laughs> I am like. I, this was better than I thought it was going to be. And I was already, you can ask Bushy. I was stoked. I'm like, dude, cause I, for the longest time I've been wanting to do a podcast. And one of the reasons why is when you became part of the station, I heard just a little inkling of your stories. I'm like, Oh, I got to get this guy on the podcast. <laughs> I've got to get this information guy. out of him. Right. Because I mean, that's what it's all about. I want to hear story. I don't know. I'm a fucking metal nerd. I love the minutia and the background shit, man. I love this. This is great. You know, that's all the fun stuff. People that were there, people that were involved. Right. You know, let's find like, out what's going on. I've had some cool experiences with. I've met some really cool. I've met Sepultura. They were cool dudes to me, but it was as a fan, you know, and yeah. it was fleeting. It wasn't like what you you're doing. You're behind the scenes, man. I fucking love that shit. Sharing a stinky room with Igor every freaking night. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great stuff. So so how about we plan that? How about we uh, plan to have Duckets back? Uh, yes. It, it'll be two weeks. Oh, no, hold on. I'm working next weekend. Yeah, it should be two weeks. And uh, we'll just have you come back s- same time-ish. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. Because we had we had some technical difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> and by that by that we mean Bushy <laughs> fucked up because he wasn't home. <laughs> Debauchery with Duckets part two. It'll be like fucking Pantera's home video part one, part two, oh. part three. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. But Mike, yeah, you're well, gonna have to write up the uh, description for the episode for me. I can do that. I can do that. It's the next half, good. the next half of the episode will be when I opened up my label, into Concrete Foundations, which debuted the new Pantera, and my Vixen story, 
And then uh, some classic. Two? Oh, I just came. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love metal, but I love hair metal. I can't help it. And then some some classic uh, classic little behind the scenes Lamore story, including the infamous Ace Freely falling down the steps with a bottle of Jack. Witnessed it, saw it there. It did. Oh, 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 oh yes, kiss talk. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Guns and Roses playing Lamore's podcast. We get more fucked up stories from people that were actually there. Wait, right. Guns N' Roses playing to 40 people in Lamar's. Wow. And then coming back three months later and playing to 2,000 people. Yeah. Uh, EZO playing to 50 people. Twisted wow. Sister playing every other fucking weekend. Dude, Twisted. See, I, oh, I, I, fuck knew, yeah. I, I knew you wouldn't let me down. I knew you wouldn't let me down. You're a New Yorker, and you're obviously fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. I knew you wouldn't let me down with some Twisted Talk. You got Twisted Talk coming up. You got some Vixen Talk coming up. You got some Body Count, some Biohazard. Whoa, whoa. Biohazard? Are you kidding me? What? I just drained again. God damn. Dude, Ice T is like like my favorite rapper, and I love Body Count. I've been there since the beginning. Was me not asking this fucker on the greatest idea I've ever had? Uh, the Just greatest saying, idea I ever had was saying Metal Mike come do the show because somebody else actually helps. <laughs> and I'm going to do more of that. I got a bunch of cool guests lined up for us, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, it's a. I've got two that are totally that, that are totally confirmed right now. We just got to figure out a time when we want to do it. Sure. Now, this is awesome, bud. John, I've never had a chance to talk to you. So, hey, I'm Nate, by the way. Nice to meet you. How you doing? I'm the guy that does that fucking gay show. Yeah, <laughs> that, I play that, Tiffany and Vanilla Bob Ice. Brown, and... <laughs> Tiffany, fucking Sinead O'Connor bullshit. And then you yeah. throw in some fucking testament just to throw everybody off. Yeah, just to say, what the hell is going on here? Uh, yeah, yeah, the metal show is just to play my pop stuff. <laughs> but that's what's cool it's about... just a cover. But see, that's what I love about being part of that metal station. It's just our DJs and how everybody brings something... Jimford to the table. I, I couldn't be prouder. And, you know, Dale Chaotic said it in the chat room when I was doing my uh, Monday morning madness edition of the Metal Mike show. He was just like, we're the, we're the fucking best. And I'm like, well, yeah, dude. Damn right. It's fucking science. It's not even an opinion. It's science. No, because every single DJ brings something different. And I will tell you, Dale made my dick really hard. He's like, dude, you are Wolfman Jack. And I'm sorry, I'm an internet DJ, dude. I do this because I enjoy it. I enjoy playing music, and I, I like to hear myself talk. And for somebody to say you are the Wolf Mad Jack, it's like, dude, are you kidding me? That's like the baddest DJ that ever lived. You know, I'm, I always thought I heard a little... You have the same um, vocal pattern and speech pattern, and, and uh, what the hell I'm, word I'm looking for? Uh... Hated. Afflictions as as Wolfman because yeah I'm old and you know I actually heard him live, so oh God I wish I could have you know where I heard him I heard about Battlestar Galactica when they got to Earth and Battlestar Galactica 1980. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I oh, remember wow. that. Well, uh, hey man. Aaron, oh, and, and and American Graffiti and American Graffiti. 
Yes. Oh, yes. 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 I was there when they filmed it. No. <laughs> I'm not that fucking old, okay? No. No. <laughs> Come on. That was the 70s acting like it was the 60s. Come on. Or the 80s acting like it was the 60s. No. Either way. Seven- well, I think you're only a couple of years older than me, aren't you, John? Yeah, I'm, I'll be 53. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a... I'll be fifty in a few weeks. Yeah, fuck. yeah. I'm, I'll be forty six in February. So y'all, y'all as fuck. It's like our new DJ likes you know to fuck with me and call me boomer and shit. But meanwhile, you know, I had to tell her the same thing. You're seeing the duplicates. I saw the originals. Exactly. And that exactly. shut right. Up, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, duckets. I've enjoyed having y'all. Um, uh, this has been too much fun. Oh, it, it's been ridiculous. Hey, I'm gonna have and, a, and you know, have a hell of a time for future reference, if you ever want to come on when we talk about other things, man, like you're you're more than welcome, Duckets. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the chemistry here, I think, is amazing. I didn't oh, want to yeah. just be, hey, you know what, Bushy, let's do it. Dude, you want to be our third co-host? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as my work schedule calms down, absolutely. I'd love to do it. All well, right. We, awesome. We typically record every third or every other Monday. We're, we're shooting for bi-weekly right now because just, you know how it is, shit's going on in our lives. Eventually, we want to do a weekly show, but right now, it's just bi-weekly. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely be into it. Yeah, because right now, uh, like, I work every other Monday, and then Mike works middle of the week all mm-hmm. the time, but I'm, I'm working every other weekend, so I can't schedule weekends, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely a good time. I will tell you... One of the things we like to do here is uh, give everybody an opportunity to uh, promote something. I don't give a fuck what it is, dude. This this podcast is all-encompassing. We are not just a music podcast. Dude, we've talked about wrestling. We've talked about movies. There, there's so much shit we talk. Dude, I've had food guys on here. I, I, had, a, I had a Hell's Kitchen con, uh, contestant on here. I'm still working on some food guys to get on this fucking show. You know, I'm just I'm just about everything. Uh-huh. But I like to give everybody a chance to promote something. I don't care what it is. Do you have anything to promote? Well, you got rehab Saturday nights, eight o'clock on thatmetalstation.com. I'm back. Had to take some time off with everything going on, but starting this Saturday night, every Saturday night, eight to midnight, everything. Rock, classic rock, hair metal, hardcore, everything in between. Requests. Love to take requests. We got a little game called Stump the DJ. My music collection is absolutely disgusting. I have stuff that nobody should have. So you think you got something that you know, that you think I don't have? If I get it, you owe me money. Oh shit! This is how this bitch is getting paid. That was else. <laughs> no one else has figured out how to get paid. Duck has figured out how to get paid. You gotta Hell throw yeah, five bucks. You gotta throw five bucks in the Venmo. If I play it, the money's mine. If I don't play it, the money's yours. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> oh, and I have not had a chance to listen to your show, but I fucking need to. Yes, you do. This Saturday night starts all over again. It should be a lot of fun. Got a couple yeah. of. Uh, it's a couple of strange little weekend, things planned. And I'm going to Hillbilly Jam next week. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need some kind of uh, internet connection out there. You know, the the bluegrass and stuff is good for about you know 20 25 minutes. Well, it is. Listen, hear hear me on this. 
it is the thrash metal of country music. Well, who exactly is playing? Because I got news for you. One of the top three concerts I have ever been to in my life. And hold on to your hats with this one. And I will fight anybody who's got anything to fucking say about it. Toby Keith. One of the greatest shows I have ever fucking seen. Dude, that's awesome. I love that guy. I I like him, though, because he's got an old school country aesthetic, though. He doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, he reminds me. He's like a throwback to your outlaw country guys that I love so much. Like your Johnny Cash's and Willie Nelson's and Waylon Jennings. That's why I like him. So it doesn't surprise me that he kicked ass. It was like um, it was like going to a theater event. Um, It's at the time I had compared it to like seeing meatloaf. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get this full blown video screens and you know movies playing and shit like that but his band yes but his band is actually ted nugent's backup band oh shit so when toby takes a break um i can't think of his name now but the guitar player they actually like during toby's break they actually did stranglehold Nice. It was fuck. One of the pictures I took is actually on um, the the official Toby Keith uh, page on Facebook. It's a black and white silhouette photo of him playing Stranglehold. It was brilliant. The band is fucking tight as hell. They the whole show just kicked ass from beginning to end, nonstop. And well, it's I'm here like to a tell big you, giant party. We're not we're not talking huge names. We are talking people that you know people know in the South. We have the uh, Anna Lee Band, Oak Grove String Band, Plum Hollow Band, Dirty Grass Soul. Now, uh, my girlfriend has showed me video of Dirty Grass Soul, and uh, this is first night. The, the 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 next night they actually close the show. But these guys, I mean, yeah, they do the hillbilly jams, but they also play some fucking Black Sabbath and, you know, they play some Zeppelin and shit like that. So they rock out. Ugh, fuck Zeppelin. Uh, Tyler oh, Hatley, the James Radford Band, Spider Farm, <laughs> the Shano. It's, it, dude, it's, dude it's, it's Moonshiners. Yeah, but you know what? It's that live music. Right. That's my thing. Live music. I'm finally going to see some live music. Finally. Look, Bushy, my older brother, Dave. He's been on my show more than once. He goes by the handle Scapegoat. That guy is about as metal as as you can get. But he'll go to bluegrass shows because he loves that stuff, man. Like you said, it's the country. It's the thrash metal of country. Even though bluegrass goes way, way before even regular country. Bluegrass has been around for fucking ever. But yeah, Yeah. he loves that shit, man. It's like the uh, southern version of the Us Festival, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, There you go. Right. There you go, Duckets. What was that radio show time again? Saturday nights when? Saturday nights, eight p.m. Thatmetalstation.com. Yeah, fucking greatest goddamn station on the interwebs. Mike, anything to promote? You know what? I I do, man. I I was gonna promote an album, but I'm like, you know what, man? This is gonna be a bit self-serving, but fuck it, you know. Um, I just recently recorded an episode of the Vieira Vault, which is our very own Dr. Fuck, a.k.a. Ralph Vieira of Thrasher Dies podcast. We did a discussion of Death Angels 2010's Relentless Retribution. 
I had a blast doing it. It was a fucking great episode, and it's just came out. So all you fuckers that are listening, make sure you check that shit out, and make sure you check out the Metal Mike Show on Fridays, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the Monday Morning Madness Edition, uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There you go. That's badass. I, now, I did share that you did that podcast. I can't wait to listen. I was at work when I shared it, so I haven't heard it yet. I know I'm going to be totally predictable. We did a music show. Ace Fraley, Origins Volume 2. Nice. Fuck, God. It's such a great album. And I, so far, Lola is my favorite cover track he's done. Cool, cool. I really like the cover, too, how it's like from the first one, it looks like in the day, and then this one, it's at night, and the images yeah. of him from back in the day, like all the different oh, platforms with him in different eras and shit. I love it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, fuck yeah. Check that shit out. Ace is still killing it. And also, you know, the Big Bushy Power Hour, now it alternates. Some days is Tuesday, or some weeks is Tuesdays, 10 to 1, some weeks is Wednesday, 9 to noon. This week it will be... Uh, Wednesday, 9 to noon, so make sure you check that out. Um, the other thing that we like to do here is give a guest, give everybody the opportunity for final thoughts. Now, my shit's always the same. I close my radio show the same. I close my goddamn podcast the same. But, Duckets, any final thoughts? Support local music. Support the local venues. Go out there. You never know what band you're going to see just one night you got nothing to do you see a local bar you got three four bands you never heard of go down spend the 10 bucks to get in you never know what you're going to find keep your eyes open and always keep listening for the new stuff because you don't keep the scene alive why are we wasting our time fuck yeah and true Fucking story, beautiful, the greatest brother. guitar player has never been found he's in his basement right now wailing exactly 100 percent truth Hell yeah. Metal Mike, final thoughts. You know what? Kind of on the same lines as Duckets, man. Um, For me, it's one of these things. It's it's been a thing I was complaining about on uh, the air today or the stream because my Monday show is all about playing newer bands, bands that are on band camp and, 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 you know, more independent, you know, um, uh, underground bands, so to speak. Yeah, unsigned bands. Yeah, yeah, unsigned bands of all subgenres and everything because, uh, it's just something that grinds my gears when I, I I hear people bitch about how there's no good rock and metal out there. Uh, bullshit, motherfuckers. It's out there. Quit being a lazy cock knocker and get on here and get on your keyboard like this and fucking look it up. All you got to do is go on YouTube or Google and Google shit. It, you know, it pisses me off, especially someone of our generation where we had to go to find the music because it wasn't always so easy to find. Tuesday night at the record store, going in buying albums based on the cover, on what the, the sickest cover was. Not that's knowing how who I any discovered of these bands that, were. Dude, that's how I discovered Amon Marth. and okay. I discovered them late. But it was like, well, wow, that looks cool. Bought the disc. Now I'm a fan. There you go. And look, Bush. I mean, it's cause especially me. I lived in at the time. Like I said, now you, know, I can. St. Louis is a hop, skip, and a jump to me. But at the time, is a fucking kid. Any mom and pop record stores, we didn't have that on this side of the river. So going to St. Louis was a big deal just to get those imports or those rare records that you couldn't find at your fucking music bars and your fucking or music lands and your fucking record bar, fucking corporate, fucking bullshit fucking record stores. 
that just wanted to carry the fucking pop bullshit. Bam. <laughs> Drop my mic. Oh. I'm done. Stay out, motherfucker. I think we just had our first metal mic meltdown on the plug <laughs> podcast. <laughs> hey man, it was it was coming, dude. It's been it's been yeah. It just and it was brilliant. Up. It was Thank great. You. Thank and you. And I will so send much. a big shout out to uh, the old stage door, the stage door two in Watertown, New York, and Evans Mills, New York, that no longer exists. But that's how I found all my music back in the day. And they were used. They, they used to release a concrete corner. Later became the corner. Those CDs with a bunch of different bands on there you may never heard of. Concrete yeah. foundations. You're welcome. Fuck yeah, dude. Check out your local music stores. Absolutely. You know how I'ma do this shit, man. Motherfuckers buy vinyl, and we'll see you next time. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it too. Seems like we've just begun. When, when suddenly, suddenly we're, we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Cause now it's time to go. But hey, I say, well that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon, I know. What the fuck is this shit? This is how we say goodbye on the plug. See you next week. I went to a club down in the Soho where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola. C-O-L-A Cola. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her name and in the dark brown voice she said Lola La 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 Lola La 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 Lola Well I'm not the world's most physical guy But when she squeezed me tight She nearly broke my spine Oh my Lola La 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 Lola Why she walks out the room and talks like a man